0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Easy Conversations. I just want to start off by saying thanks to everyone who listened to the last episode featuring homie Matt Zirashi. You killed it. I'm looking forward to having you on again. So now for episode 15, I'm extremely excited to introduce the first husband and wife tandem on the podcast, the brilliant professor at the University of Ottawa, Matt and my cousin, Marie Sullivan. Say what's up to the people. Hey.
1: Thanks for having us. <laughs> yeah, of course.
0: And her husband, high school teacher, Mark Sullivan. Say what's up to the people.
2: Hey there. Thanks for having us. Glad to be here.
0: Yep. I'm glad to have you guys. Just want to say before we get into what we're going to talk about, your wedding is definitely a top three wedding I've attended. <laughs> definitely <laughs> ripped it up at that one. That was an iconic a night. i oh, The yeah.
2: Roches uh, know
0: how to party. Oh, for absolutely. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That was a time and a half for sure. <laughs> I'm still... Uh, Young in my wedding attending career, but that's definitely ones I'll, one of the ones I'll remember forever. I'm
2: glad. I'm oh, glad. It was year. a good time for us too. Yeah, I hope so.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so what I want to talk about with you guys today is you're both teachers, the high school level and the university level. So it's a tale of two teachers, if you will. And I want to start off the nice and easy question really is what piqued your interest in wanting to follow teaching as a profession?
2: Start or An or experience
0: maybe start. that marked you, or did you know at a young age? Just enlighten for, us.
1: I think for me, um, which is, I know it's different than Mark. It kind of just, I always, well, I mean, I always liked teaching. I would pretend when I was a kid to be a teacher. My mom's a teacher, so I definitely got to see it firsthand. Um, but really, I, I didn't go into teachers' college because I, I didn't know that that was for me. I was thinking journalism or writing or different things. Um, and then eventually I just really liked what I was doing. I was studying French literature and I wanted to keep going and get more into it, more in depth. And then with it, I wanted, I realized that I wanted to teach at a higher level, really get into the, the hardcore stuff more in depth. And that couldn't be in high school because it's, you're more dealing with the language at that point in more basic French. And so basically to teach in university, what did I need? Well, I needed a PhD. So that's kind of what the, you know, that was the plan to follow to get to that job. And so now I'm teaching in college and in university.
0: Okay. So it was kind of like the logical next step, if you will. Yeah, a little bit. It just, okay.
1: Yeah.
2: And then for me, I think it was around when I was in grade 10 or so that I decided I was interested in teaching. It wasn't a sure thing at that point, Um, but it was around that time. uh, A big influence for me was having a lot of younger cousins, especially on my dad's side. I'm one of the oldest of like 18 cousins, so I loved hanging out with them. I loved feeling like I could have a positive impact on them uh, in terms of learning, but just in terms of uh, experiencing the world and enjoying, you know, new music or new books or movies or whatever else. So um, that was a big starting point. Um, I then became a lifeguard, started teaching swimming lessons. That kind of um, got me more and more interested. So initially I thought I maybe wanted to teach the younger grades. Like, I don't know about primary, like kindergarten and stuff, but like grade five, grade six. Um, But then through volunteering and through more experience, uh, I started realizing that I liked teaching the older grades. So right now I'm grade seven, eight, but, um, I've done up to grade 12 and, uh, yeah, it just took off from there. I kind of, I started thinking about it in high school and, um, tried to keep an open mind, but teaching just kept coming back to me and kept Mm -hmm. coming back. And, yeah. I haven't looked back since. Okay. That's awesome.
0: Yeah. So in different experience, different work settings too, it was also always something that just came naturally to you maybe to be a, cause when you're a teacher, you are a leader, right? You're instilling your values and what you know to other people and paving a way for them as exactly. well. Right. So something that just came naturally, I guess. I think
2: so. Like I know for myself in university, I took uh, a co-op program, so I was able to do a lot of different jobs. I mostly did things in high tech. So I did some project management. I did some uh, tech support and then I did some math, uh, like data analysis in the government and stuff like that. So I really enjoyed each co-op job, but, um, after each one, I just kept thinking like that was good, but I want to try teaching. And it just, so every new experience I had kind of I felt stronger because of it, but I also felt like, yeah, it's just pointing me more and more towards teaching. So, yeah, it's good kind of reinforcement.
0: Okay, nice. Yeah.
2: So two kind
0: of different paths. it was more about just kept studying French literature and then to get a certain job or to further your education on it, it ended up making you become a prof essentially, right?
1: Yeah and it was really like it was never about the research for me because usually lots of people go into academics to research to do research or to be a professor that mostly focuses on research and for me was really for the teaching aspect just at a more at a higher level and to kind of really uh, sink my teeth into material in a more profound way Um, and I always like I've done lots of workshops where I would you know, I've done camp counseling, I've taught different programs, I've done lots of oral presentations and stuff. And I would always really enjoy that. And I knew that that was a strength of mine. And so that was also linked to this teaching idea that I know I could do it and I didn't shy away from it.
0: Right. Yeah. And an oral presentation, it's kind of something that you have to be a strong speaker to captivate a class, right? And hold their Mm -hmm. attention and make them see you as someone they should want to listen to. Right. So that's definitely a strength that someone who's interested in going into education should have. Yeah. Correct? Absolutely.
1: Yeah.
0: Are there any other skills you would say that you found within yourselves that made you know that you wanted to be teachers as well? Or it was mostly the experiences that it's led a good up question. to it?
2: Yeah, it's a really good question. I think for myself, um, experience played a big part. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just think, like as cliche as it sounds, back then like late high school, early university, it was all, I couldn't help but think like, oh, do I want to sit behind a desk and experience the monotony of that? Mm -hmm. Which I think, um, like sometimes teaching can be crazy. And I wonder like, oh, it might be nice just to leave everything at work and just have that standard nine to five job. But that's kind of where I was at and what I was thinking then. Um, and I, again, like I couldn't be happier with what I'm doing now, but I think that's something that, pushed me towards teaching i don't know if it's any real innate trait in myself i think i just wanted to have a positive impact on a lot of people and Mm -hmm. teaching seemed like a good way to do it and a good way to you know have new things new experiences every day kind of avoid any kind of monotony or just sitting at a desk or or things like that so i think that's that was on my mind a lot when i was thinking about going into it kind of thing Mm -hmm.
1: I agree. Same for me. Like I've done lots of student jobs and summer programs and all sorts of part-time jobs and even jobs at university where I would work during the summer. And it, it would always come back to that same idea of the repetition or the tasks you had to do and and thinking of that job if I had it for real. And whereas teaching, there's a lot more creativity. You have a lot more kind of say, control in what you do and even just the hours. Well, for me, not so much for Mark, but. In my case, it's like I go and teach and then the rest I can do at home if I want to. Like professors okay. have a lot of freedom. And so it's it's quite nice. And yeah, so that's definitely something that I, I for me, it's definitely like being able to show your passion and teach however you want. And you can mm-hmm. always stay fresh with whatever you do. It doesn't need to be the same material every year, every class. You can really mix it up.
0: Yeah. OK, so there's a lot to dissect there. Um <laughs> Yeah, just to start off with what you said, that how it's um, just a different experience almost with every class, even like it might start with years of teaching that go on, you might start seeing repetitive patterns of like students you'll encounter, similar situations will arise over the years, but it's different every year, right? So there's definitely no mundane cruising on autopilot, like you said, at a desk job. Um, I know all about that. (laughs) That um, It can start to get repetitive, but yeah, that's definitely one of the great things I love about, well, that you guys love about teaching, right? Is that it allows you to be yourself and have your own distinct style, which I'm glad you mentioned that, Marise, because that's one of the, some things that some, one of the things I wanted to talk about with you is that how important is it for you to have that own distinct style and teaching method to differentiate you from your competition because at the end of the day you're still i don't know if you really are competing with your fellow teachers and professors but you still want to keep your job and you want kids to give positive feedback to their parents who will then talk to your director principal Mm -hmm. and will give you good feedback saying like oh these kids all love your teaching and they want you again something like that so i feel like by developing your own style you're making yourself more um, valuable, I guess, to the school. Exactly.
2: I do think you need to set yourself apart, and especially earlier in your career, it's really uh, important, but it also makes the job a lot more fulfilling. Like, I'm teaching grade 7 and 8 math. Like, by definition, it sounds monotonous. I teach three sections of grade 8 math a day and two of grade 7, so there is repetition there. But like you said, every class is unique with different characters and different personalities um so like you never feel the monotony there um and then interacting with all these different people like 125 students per day you definitely can establish your own style i think it's really important just to be very natural like at the age that i teach um kids can really tell if you're kind of putting it on or or being natural and kind of being true with them. So that's what I kind of go for. Um, I've been pretty lucky. Like I've been able to start up a few new clubs at the school and I do some coaching and things like that. This year I've been working on the yearbook with some students. So like, these are all ways that a, it shakes up your day and gives you a lot of new things to try and outlets for creativity. But like you said, the differentiating versus other teachers, um, it definitely come out comes out there too, like in clubs and sports and things like that. Yeah. So, yeah. How about you?
1: Yeah, uh, I agree. Like keeping it fresh and just mixing it up, as you said, and just differentiating yourself. I would. I mean, for me, there's still like a certain amount of things, just like you, I'm sure that you have to, you have to cover. And sometimes there's not a, a sexy or fun way of doing mm. it. You just kind of have to go through it. I'm especially thinking in my case of like grammar or things like that <laughs> yeah. that you have to do, and it's not always. But the funnest way or there's not always a fun activity that goes with it. But I try to do different things or I, my big thing is I try to use different strategies so that if one day we're working in groups, maybe the other day we'll do a quiz. We'll do, you know, a hand like a handouts, different things to kind of Get different parts of the brain working, and also so that if you don't like one activity, then it's not always the same thing. I always get positive feedback on that, so I I, I know it's a it's a good thing and a good part of my teaching. For me, definitely. I think about the students maybe more than you do because I am evaluated by them at the end of the year. And that does <laughs> yeah. and that does play into my seniority points. So yeah. you, it does matter to a certain degree. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, you can't get upset if someone got a bad grade or stuff like that. And they just don't like you on a personal level. But...
0: Does that overall. really happen, though? I just can't see that happening with you. I mean, <laughs>
1: I don't know. I mean, it, it does, like, sometimes... And I, I understand, like, there's some people you just click less with. Um, and maybe they're just... They get upset over a grade and they th- thought yeah. they deserved better. And if I'm not going to change the grade, well, it'll remain the same. But it's never it's never mean comments or anything like that. Um, and then some... I mean, some people uh, found the class too hard or too easy. Mm-hmm. So that can also play into it. But, um, like, the main questions that are important are things like, isn't the prof well-prepared? Is she a good professor? Which is, uh, so it has nothing to do with, did I love this class or did it pique my interest in every way? Like, Mm -hmm. especially in my case, if you're teaching some of the mandatory first year classes, it can't be everyone's favorite class. So it's it's good for that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, when you talk about all the extracurriculars you say that get into teaching, there's kind of a, I don't know if it's a misconception, but that teaching in general, you get, well compensated in time off, let's say mm. in vacation, you get yeah. your, especially university four months off summer high school, two months, you get the March break, Christmas break, et cetera. But people assume that that's one of the reasons people want to get into teaching, right? It's like, oh, you must love that time off. That's why you became a teacher, right? Something like that. I don't know yeah. if you ever heard stuff like Absolutely. that directed yeah, to you, but sure. I feel like that's a misconception. In that you're working, you're constantly working to refine your teaching style. You're doing stuff outside of class that your day. Mark, especially in your case, that it could go from, I don't know what your school hours are from Mm. like seven to three or something.
2: Yeah, it's from eight till two ten. Eight till 210. Yeah.
0: But I'm sure that extends till maybe you're at school till five, then get home, eat, then correct homework and do stuff like that. Marise, you're also correcting Mm. student's homework. So those are long days. And I feel like that off season in the summer is like a comparable to a, like a pro athletes off season you got to recover, but then you're also working to better yourself for the next season. It's is exactly that fair to true. say,
2: Absolutely. Like I would never, um, deny like the time off is fantastic. You know, summer's off. How can you beat that? Like it is, it's really great and we're pretty lucky to have that. Um, but I've definitely never worked harder in a job than I do in teaching like longer hours. It never, I like I, I, you could probably swing teaching where you have a pretty short day and you leave your work at school and it's a pretty easy life, but I don't really know any teachers like that. And I know my lifestyle is not like that. Like it's a lot of uh, work at home and planning on weekends and, uh, and stuff like that. And it's all like I say this, but I don't complain at all about it. Well, I probably do like yeah, pretty it's often, but I feel like yeah. But like in the general sense, um, <clears throat> I'm I'm in no way like bitter about it or um, upset about it. Like it's all very rewarding work, mm-hmm. and like you said, it's in a lot of ways um, you're just trying to get better. So I could give the same math lesson as I gave last year, and sometimes I do if, if things work mm-hmm. really well. And then sometimes you just want to. Amp it up that little bit more, um, and so you're using your prep time at school, and you're using your time after school to make a new game or um, try out some new technology or something like that. And then, not to mention, you know, planning for for clubs or whatever. So I do a robotics club, for example. So planning out all the challenges and building okay. the mazes or courses or whatever it is that they're doing at the time. Um, and then everything else. So yeah, the time off is really nice. And I think you need to keep that and, uh, or not keep that rather, but, um, like take advantage of it. So a big thing in teaching now is just the idea of self-care and being able to, um, like give yourself a little bit of a break. Cause it can feel kind of never ending. Um, but yeah, it's. It's, it's really good. It's a lot of work, but it's a lot of really good work. Yeah, it's rewarding yeah, at the end absolutely. of the day, right? So it makes it yeah. a lot easier and Exactly. Worth it, yeah, exactly. So.
1: Yeah, I agree with everything you just said. Um, I feel like like we often talk about this, how it's when it's on, it's fully on. And then when it's off, you're, you can be completely off. So um, like in the summer, when all the classes are done, all the grades are entered, we can be really off and not think about anything else. But when, you know, the session's still going, it can be uh, your teaching afterwards, emails, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, prepping and then marking and then everything that comes with it, picking up stuff. And and so sometimes it can go late into the night, into the weekends, and it feels like there's no end in sight. But when you do finally get that break, you can really completely like for christmas like if you manage it get those full two weeks off and it yeah, can be very nice. rewarding it's really nice. yeah. but it's definitely like a lot of hours before that that are that go beyond the eight hour day for sure yeah
0: but if you love it i mean it's rewarding and it's all worth it at the end of the day right oh yeah for sure yeah did you guys have a nice two-week break this year or was there a bit of work in there like the yearbook was, club or yeah, yeah
2: i i looked at the yearbook a little yeah. bit at the end um, cause I've been trying to do once or twice a week. It's been since September. This is my first year doing it. So I'm just trying to keep it steady so I'm not crunching at the end of March, uh, which is when it's due. Okay. But we had a good break, eh? Yeah. Lots of family visiting, but we didn't really do a whole lot of schoolwork.
1: I had a bit of work to do. Just yeah. prep for the new <laughs> semester and I yeah. also had to... At the last minute, do a makeup exam um, for people that were allowed to, to take it during the first week back. But other, otherwise, it was pretty good, yeah. Yeah.
0: Just prep for all those angry students for you, mm-hmm. <laughs> waiting for exactly. you. Exactly, always. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's actually something that's interesting that you point out that sometimes, like speaking of feedback, especially, whereas I guess you still do get those evaluations at high school, but in university, I feel like people are more uh, generally harsh. Mm-hmm. they feel more at liberty to really if they hate a teacher the a prof they can carve them up if they want to yeah. and i feel like that's something you won't really see at the university level mm-hmm. i could be completely wrong but that's just what i'm guessing <laughs> now at what level would you say that you get you get more pushback from a student would you say in either of your opinions and we can have a talk about this because i have my idea of what it is and i feel like well, I can say what I think. I think that yeah. at the university level, you're more likely to get rebellious students in the sense that in a purely an academic standpoint, they're not going to rage at you or anything like you might see in high school, I yeah. feel like. Yeah. Because they're more formed. They've been through more of the schooling system. And they're, I feel like they have stronger opinions on, especially in, from an academic perspective. I think, I don't have a specific example here, but I feel like, let's say, if an English teacher in high school gives you a thesis that you're supposed to argue nine times out of 10. In my opinion, I think the student in high school will go by the thesis that the teacher in high school hands them. Whereas in university, they're more likely to argue the opposite stance.
2: Mm, that's interesting. Yeah. So
0: using that metaphor, Yeah. I feel like you're more likely to hear opposition from a university student than a high school student. That's my opinion. What do you mm, think about you that? Think.
1: I think so. I mean, it's hard to really know because I don't really teach high school. Um, but maybe just from what I can remember, it's maybe less in the attitude. So in, in high school, if you're rebellious, it's more in your attitude. You'll roll your eyes, that type of thing. Whereas in university, you're right. I think it's more like you'll use arguments and logic to try to convince someone or even like on a test to try to get those extra points to prove that you deserve them. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that that's maybe more true uh, for university students. And I would especially say those first few years when you're out of high school especially for those new students that are no longer living at home it's really a new experience they're on their own there is that that confidence and that sense that they they can talk now they can say what they want so those few years where they're in control they can go to class or not yeah. they kind of have that um that desire to speak up in some ways uh so yeah that could be true for university i don't know if your own experiences kind of shine a light on this that's what i'm thinking but
2: yeah no i completely agree with what you're saying like coming at it from a grade seven and eight standpoint which is still kind of unique from high school it's it's a it's a weird age like age 12 to 14 i'm sure we can all remember like those middle school grades that's why i wanted to go into this uh age level grade seven and eight most people or a lot of people start in this grade and kind of want to get out as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a really good teacher in grade eight, and I just find they're really pivotal years. Um, so if you can have a good impact on on a kid in, when they're in grade eight or grade seven, um, you know, it can last their whole life, really. Um, but the interesting thing about this age is it's such a variety of kids in each class. Like, you'll have kids who need to be like they need their academic program modified down to like a grade two level for example Uh like really heavily modified kids or kids who don't really speak English for example and then you'll have um kids who you know in terms of math like I'm giving them um extension questions and we're looking into grade nine grade 10 kind of stuff and they're curious and they want to keep moving and keep pushing themselves so in terms of rebellion they come out in different ways like um uh, what i just said was there was the range of academic abilities but there's also just range of maturity right both physical and emotional mental kind of thing so some kids just lack maturity and their rebellion is like throwing pencils around or shoving the person next to them or whatever else whereas some kids are really quite mature by that age and they still might you know have a little bit of a rebellious side and and that can look really different probably more what you're thinking along like not in terms of university but what you would expect to see in a like a high school setting for example so you just you get all sorts um in those grade seven eight years that's yeah so yeah it's huge Grade
0: 7 and 8, definitely, well, great time for me. I love those two grades. Like, (laughs) Well, back in the day, I'm talking like I'm old now, just (laughs) turning 25 this year, though. It's uh, going to be a big one. But, yeah, 7 and 8 was like we were still super, like, still kind of in elementary school like Absolutely. innocent yeah we didn't really know what the well definitely didn't know what the real world was about back then <laughs> and we were kind of we were still in a seven to twelve school but seven and eight were our own seven, section yeah Garneau, yeah shout out and yeah it was when we we're in grade eight we were running that part of the school it was great <laughs> but yeah um, me too actually I had some great experiences in grade seven and eight like my french teacher back in the day was uh she was on us. And back then, my French was impeccable because we were just frightened of her. Like, we didn't want to disappoint her. But, I yeah, know, my mom still remembers how well I spoke in French back then. Nice. and uh, It's too bad I'm not at that level anymore. <laughs> but Yeah, in grade 8 as well, I had some influential teachers for sure that we actually met up with, like, two years ago, had some beers with. So that was pretty nice. fun to see him.
2: It is cool. Like, it's yeah. cool to see old students. I'm getting to that point now. This is what? This is probably my sixth year teaching so it's funny running into old students who are now just who have just graduated from high school Mm -hmm. um it's a lot of fun and but that's also what's fun about talking about education really with anyone it can be fun and it can be frustrating is everybody has gone through the system to a certain extent everybody has stories hopefully of a good teacher who made an impact many more people i think have stories of bad teachers or bad experiences or whatever else um so i find school is one of those things that everybody has an opinion on like everybody thinks they know maybe how how it should be run or the way a teacher's style should be or something like that um yeah so interesting is
0: that kind of in line with maybe experiences with parent teacher conferences maybe that they're telling you how like oh this is how you should be teaching my kid this or could that
2: yeah it can be for sure. Um, like I'm more thinking just like talking education with people who, like I think of just friends, for example, who think, oh, why do they do things this way? Mm. Um, and then when you, when you do teach, you realize like there are, there are small subsections of people who are like the way my friends used to be. And then there are all these other different kids who need different ways of learning. Mm -hmm. Parent-teacher interviews, I've been pretty lucky with. Like, I don't have any real horror stories. Give it Um, time. (laughs) Yeah. No, exactly. It's always interesting, parent-teacher interviews, because it really sheds light on, on the child. Like, you see, like, not just physical resemblances, but just mannerisms. And in a very short amount of time, you can just see attitudes. So, like, a big thing in math, showing your work most kids hate to explain their work or show all their steps or things like this. I just remember mentioning that to a mom once years ago, like, Oh yeah, this is something they could improve on. They don't. Um, what did I say? I said something like they don't really, uh, think it's very important to show your work kind of thing. And the mom was just very dismissive of that. Like, well, it's not. So Mm -hmm. it's like, Oh, okay. um, but Yeah, everybody has their their opinion. So which is and everybody's opinion really is valid. Like everybody has their own experience. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, for me it's well, um I don't really deal with parents. And when yeah. I do, it's it's very odd and you kind of <laughs> have to remind them that that's not how it works. The mom yeah. I need a real, you know, doctor medical note, not mom's note to cover <laughs> uh someone being absent or something like that, but I would say what's what I can talk about that's maybe similar to parent teachers, we often will get um, like as, as as new professors like feedback or tips from older professors or professors that have taught the class before and sometimes it's been a while since they've taught those classes and they can be a bit disconnected with some of it or that's often something that can come up so they'll show you strategies and they're great but you, you kind of realize you, you, you can adapt them or you have to do your own thing with them because otherwise it can it it can be hard um kind of as you said there's all these different groups all these different types of students and they won't always work in the same way and so sometimes those strategies are great but you realize that it's maybe not the only thing you can do you kind of have to look at the new stuff and mix it up or or just sometimes what I've done is take tips and Uh, like the the strategies from a a whole bunch of different professors or teachers. And that can be useful to kind of not all use um, all the tips from the same pool, but to to use different strategies and different things. So it's kind of that same education conversation, just not coming from parents, but from the inside. Um, So not from the outside, but it's still like a similar a similar thing, whether it be, whether you use PowerPoints or not, whether to give the notes or not, like what to do with different classes. And it can completely uh, change with, you know, depending on the group dynamic that's formed as well.
0: Yeah. Well, that's interesting for sure. And I feel like at the university level, there's now, correct me if I'm wrong, Maryse, but there's less really tailoring your style to your classroom. It's mostly about how you're choosing to present the information to them. Whereas I feel like in high school, if you're noticing that a student is struggling, maybe you might want to adapt a teaching method to accommodate that student. Whereas university, I feel like if they're having troubles with their learning, they'll come seek you out, right? That's also a age gap and you're at a higher level of education. Mm-hmm. You're a responsible adult. It's on you to go approach your professor. Yeah. But whereas high school, it's kind of on you to maybe be like you're our mentor and a Teacher, you literally are a teacher to yeah. them, right? So it's Absolutely. kind of on you to identify maybe if someone's struggling, help them out, or is that the, also the case for you, Maris?
1: I completely, I would say the big thing, it depends on class size. So when I have classes that are only about 30 students, I will adapt a bit. I've usually found, okay, some, some activities or some uh, ways of teaching won't work with this group. They're too shy. Whereas another group, if I ask questions, they participate. It's, it can become more of a discussion. Um, so, and, but, that, but that usually depends on, on the, um, the class size. Um, when you're teaching, I would say, like 60 or higher, it, it's kind of becomes up to them. It's, you know, at the end of the day, it's even up to them whether they come or not, unlike high school. Um, so just showing up, being present is also just i would say it's um, half the work in that way just being physically there uh, because lots of students don't always show up um and so for that reason yeah i think that's what it would be Uh, depending on the class size i adapt and then if it's too big um, then it's kind of it's up to them but there's sometimes still some room to to make some change if if I see certain activities or, you know, I'm getting no response, not even eye contact or I'm, I'm having trouble seeing if they're keeping up with me, then I'll slow down or adapt in that way. But it's maybe not as drastic as in high school.
2: Yeah. At our level, like big key buzzwords are like differentiation, for example. The idea is to differentiate for all the different types of learners. So acknowledging that there are kids who benefit from... Uh, like audio learning versus visual versus kinesthetic and dealing with manipulatives and things like that. Um, And so it's all about finding ways that all of these different learners can both pick up the material and then demonstrate their learning in, in whatever method works for them kind of thing. Um, So it's like, we really have to either modify or accommodate for, Basically every different student, like, you know, one of the big things that people say is, what do they say? It's like what some kids need or like it's good for everyone, but it's necessary for some. So like if you're making an accommodation, let's say using technology in the classroom for a certain type of activity, there could be two kids who need that technology, maybe some sort of adaptive software or something like that. Um, and they're not going to learn the material without it, but for everyone else in the class, it's still a great thing to have. Um, and it's a good tool for them and it just kind of maybe can enhance their learning or even just enhance their experience of it. So especially at the grade seven, eight level where like, let alone a university class, we're not even streamed like academic applied or university college, you know, those different types of courses in high school. So, um, you really have to take a class and then yeah make it personal for each student which again rewarding work but it's tough it's really tough
0: definitely yeah you kind of have to be a chameleon and like be able to adapt to everybody yeah but at the same time also I feel like it's something like it's not about you like mm-hmm. you're not the star of the show exactly. in the classroom right you have to leave ego outside the door yeah and just be that person who can take everyone's problems kind of and I don't know, just mold them and shape them into being the products of your class I guess or the the subject that you're teaching exactly so I how think... hard how hard is that sorry yeah. to maybe obviously you want to show personality have your own distinct style but you're not you're there for them mm-hmm. right you're there to help them through their struggles in school their triumphs as well and yeah, to be a teacher, mentor, friend. That's also kind of a line you have to draw with them. Absolutely. And now coming back to what you said earlier about catching up with old students. And I know I'm fully loading this question here, but how hard is it to kind of maintain? You have to maintain prof- professionalism with them, but then once they're done high school, they'll be okay, then we can have a beer together. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I don't know. I feel like that's kind of tough as well.
2: Absolutely. Because, and it'll depend on the style. Some teachers... Um, again, just speaking from my experience and my level of teaching, um some teachers go in and it's like the don't smile until Christmas philosophy, like lay down the law mm. that like that just simply wouldn't work for me. I don't think I have the personality style to mm. even pull that off if I wanted to try that. It's not a good look. At yeah, the <laughs> no, absolutely not and like it works for some people and some kids will maybe grow to respect that, but um it is a fine line like I like to joke around and have fun and try to be as easygoing as I can with my students. Um, Again, like bringing it back to grade seven, eight and math being a scary subject, like look online. um, You'll find countless articles about math anxiety Mm. and um, people who quote unquote don't do math and stuff like this, or I'm not a math person or whatever else. So I find like something that I find really important is to, make not even make math fun but just make math seem doable and make it approachable and make it so that it's not some big scary thing and so in my mind part of that is to myself be approachable and be friendly and be um, someone who the kids are comfortable around and can laugh with and stuff like Mm that but it can be difficult because they're they're young kids, right? They're yeah. like 12, 13, 14. And so sometimes they don't know how to turn that off. Um, and so they just get carried away and get loose focus or get off task or whatever else. So it's always kind of navigating and steering that ship, like yeah. ride that fine line and again, make it enjoyable, but still make it productive, like, and make it about them. Like you said, like have them leave the school day feeling happy, but also like they need to learn what they need to learn kind of thing. So, yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah, for me, I would also say um, the idea of making it seem less scary. So I teach... Uh, French courses, and they're usually part of the mandatory programs in, in university or college. And so it's it can seem like that mandatory class they need to get through and it's a bit boring. Um, so I try to make it more fun and, and try to show them how useful it can be and uh, really try to show them how it can be the base for everything else. And I always kind of tell them the idea of the class is to kind of build your toolbox so that you have all these tools for the rest of university or the rest of college and you know where to go to either, you know perfect your grammar, perfect, uh, you know, essay writing, whatever it may be to have these strategies and then know how to go further if you, if you need to and uh, where to get more resources and, you know, reference books, whatever it may be. And so I try to, to show them how useful it can be. And it can be as simple as starting off by showing them how to write a proper email and what should be in a good email. And, and I always, and I, I've gotten lots of feedback saying that it, it, it's maybe not like their funnest class, but it's been the most useful class. So that is like a, a very high compliment to me that to show them that it's it's useful. It can be, uh, you know, you, you use strategies that can be useful elsewhere. And it's not just French class where you're going over rules, et cetera. Um, as for the friend and being <laughs> an authority figure um, question, I would say it's a bit different for me because um, I mean, I'm still a young teacher and so it can be hard to show my authority level um early on and so I mean it can sometimes people will see me more as their friend and like we're you know because we're close in age and sometimes it can also be intimidating the other way around because there's you know in university it's not based on age it's Sometimes there's older students that are older than me yeah. and have, you know, other experience um, and, are you know, have lots of degrees already. And they just kind of decided to do a career switch. And so that can be intimidating. And so I find for me, it's as simple as just like wearing professional clothes, even not dressing like the students to kind of have something else to mm-hmm. differentia- differentia- di- differentiate differentiate <laughs> myself um, <laughs> from the students. is can be helpful because otherwise... I can come into the class, and until I reach the podium, people don't know that I'm the professor. Yeah. So um, that's definitely something that I keep in mind because it's it can be tricky during those first few years to still have that authority and to show that you you know you've got knowledge and you um, you I don't know show that power in a way, even though that's not really the point, but um, yeah. just to kind of show that you can lead the class, even if I'm not, you know, a tall big man and who's, who's a lot older and stuff
0: uh, looking young it's a gift and a curse eh? yeah we yeah, exactly. you know all about that zero jeans. <laughs> but oh, that's awesome so yeah for you actually especially it's even closer to that like you said students can be your age younger a little older so you got a little bit of everything in that classroom right yeah exactly and they have to see you are an authority figure at the end of the day mm-hmm. so now with your if you're um sorry, the email, how to properly write an email reference. It'd be fair to say that's what you describe it as. Or? Yep. Okay. So now that might even establish you for them as a reference down the road that they might want to email you or to communicate with you about help for um, work down the road. And that's probably a good thing that they'll remember you as someone who is very helpful as a prof, right? That
1: yeah mark them
0: in their academic studies
1: oh yeah i've gotten that like uh you know the session is over and people have written e- me emails just even to know like oh what should i do for this or uh, i have to submit uh you know a cv for something would you mind looking it over yeah. i've gotten that before just as being their reference in that world especially in uh, when they're in first year and they're very much on their own um sometimes it can i can feel like a friend or someone like a a colleague whose door is open yeah that's that's definitely the case
0: yeah Mm -hmm. and mark i'm sure as you get more years of experience teaching you'll probably have past students contact you like i emailed i remember when i was in first year university in business i was contemplating well i did change programs to english Hmm. and i emailed my english teacher in grade 11 or no grade 12 Cause he was really influential for me. Like I loved his class, and nice. I loved English. Grade eleven and twelve are my two favorite classes. That's why I studied it. Hmm. Didn't really know what I wanted to do. Still don't. Anyways, <laughs> don't have to get into that. But um, yeah, and it was nice to email him, like go back and forth. He didn't actually meet to talk about it, but he just um, yeah, he gave me some really good feedback. I can't remember exactly what he said there, but it kind of helped me make that decision to go and study English. So That's it's awesome. Definitely a cool to have um, a good relationship with some students going down the road and probably as you teach maybe at an an older grade, if that's what you want to do anyways, Mm -hmm. it'll be closer for them to be out of high school and then maybe you could connect with them and give them some advice. So
2: yeah, absolutely. Um, it was nice. Like my one year, it was just half a year, like really teaching high school was my first year on permanent in the school board and I got hired this is the reason I got hired was for, to teach computer science. So it was grade 10 and grade 12. And then I also taught a grade, uh, a grade nine religion class. Um, but those computer science courses were really interesting because like those were kids who, if they didn't know what they wanted to do, like they knew at least they were interested in technology and programming and stuff like that. Um, so I was doing a lot of references for university applications at that point. Um, which was really interesting in the grade 12 class. And um, there was one student who I had taught in the grade 10 class who kept in touch, and he would let me know what he was programming um, and, like, kind of some of the new cool stuff that he was trying out. He would just email every once in a while. Um, We even uh, bonded over music, so he had bought a turntable and some vinyl, and so he would tell me about some of the vinyl that he was into. So it's it's very cool to see how the kids grow and um kind of where their interests take them yeah. it's very very cool for sure and yeah. that's some
0: is that something that's well i'm sure it is fun to talk about with your students about their interests outside of school like sports oh, yeah. music absolutely movies and stuff like that yeah is that something you also try to maybe incorporate in your teaching i don't know if it really applies to math but or does it
2: yeah it can like i always i try to start classes with just asking what people did on the weekend mm. and um like, I'll even just pause the class and I'll ask random questions just to kind of mix it up. Um, just, you know, about movies or books or places people have been or music or whatever. Um, so it's pretty funny. Grade 7, 8, you get a lot of kind of stock answers, whatever's cool at the time. Yeah. Um, like music, I would consider myself pretty... like. Like, I know a, a decent variety of music. Oh, I know. Um, I remember talking about Run the Jewels reviews. Yeah, yeah. But for my grade seven, eights, Run the Jewels would have, would they, I would just get a blank stare yeah, from 100%. them. 100%. Like, they know a lot of YouTube rappers, for yeah. example. <laughs> and I don't know anything about that. I get a little bit of cred with them talking about like Kendrick Lamar, for okay. example. And, but for them, Kendrick Lamar is, the old wise rapper kind of thing (laughs) like and I'm thinking I'm very youthful for being into that so (laughs) um yeah so I love it I love um knowing what they're listening to and um asking them questions and stuff like that less like it happens very quickly I've only been teaching for about six years at this age level and I felt like I used to identify a lot and um like shared some interests and i find less and less am i actually legitimately sharing interests with the really right. like younger students and that's totally okay yeah, but you're getting old man i'm I mean, getting old i know it's uh, yeah it I is. don't have it anymore but um i don't know i think it's still good to be curious about it and i think they appreciate it too like they like being able to show me what they're into and yeah, yeah so it's fun yeah
0: like they get to show some personality like that. And it's, exactly. it's good validation also for them to yeah. be heard, like what they like is valued and you, you can talk to them about that as well. So that's cool for sure. Exactly. And it's kind of also a good way to now don't, don't mean to put pressure or anything there, but like it's good parenting exercise as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. Right? I mean, yeah. it's good, um, like disciplined kids. I feel like have you gotten into that? Oh, have for you sure. Had some tough interactions Very with much. kids. Or- yeah.
2: And you have to, Like, as fun as you want to be, like, I'm never someone who's going to raise my voice or like yell or anything like that. But you have to be able to hold the line and be very firm. And, you know, kids aren't going to be happy. Like, I've had kids, you know, cry and stuff like that. And it's not because I'm laying into them or anything like that. It's just because they're kids and um, they don't always know how to express heightened emotion and things like that and sometimes they just need to do that and then it kind of gets out of their system so people will joke like what mark you made a kid cry like (laughs) i'm i don't really come across that way but it's not me doing that it's just that's what Mm -hmm. kind of happens with the situation and um but discipline is really important the more that i'm teaching the more i'm realizing that kids even if consciously they don't think so they they like a certain level of structure and they'll thrive off that structure and they'll kind of get out of sorts. If you're way too loose and anything goes kind of thing. Um, None of the kids really, really seem to like that. Like um, I think they like a certain level of routine and you know, they want to have fun and stuff and they're, you want to give them a little bit of leash um, I guess. But yeah structure i think can be good oh and discipline is good
0: yeah otherwise we'd have chaos and that would not
2: be good for exactly i think kids think they would want that but you realize they really don't when they get it they realize yeah Yeah. they're in the wrong for sure yeah um marise have you had any interactions
0: like that with students i'm assuming less disciplining at that age but yeah uh,
1: i mean the only thing that's maybe comparable for me um in the sense of structure and discipline is I would just say with marking being firm like I've noticed that when something like it's sad to say but if something doesn't count if it's not if it's not worth any points they're not going to care as much and then they're not going to put as much effort into it and so they're not going to learn because if they're just doing it last minute submitting it or not submitting it because it doesn't count it doesn't matter and then you know I don't get the chance to give them feedback and to really see if they understood or if they're progressing and so making it count and you know um, according a certain amount of points to certain things whether it just be presentation or you know font size or whatever it all matters it shows you followed the guidelines you can read and do something according to uh, what the prof wants so all those things matter and when they get doc points for that. and they're like, well, I don't understand. like who cares if it's not in Times New Roman or whatever. It's like, well, it all matters. It was written down. You didn't follow it. And if a job application tells you you need a suit and you show up in jeans, it's the same type <laughs> yeah, of thing. Like everything choice. kind of matters. And when I explain it to it to them like that, they really understand um, why it's important and why they need to follow it. So I think that's why, or that's what's maybe comparable for me. I remember even once in an assignment, Um, there was a breakdown in structure and at one point it was just like one choice of word like they they could put whatever word they wanted but you know within a certain pool of words that we had seen um, in class to finish off um, their essay and then somebody put a different word and then he got I think it was like 0.75 points or something for that word and then he came to see me and asked me like oh could it just be like a grammar mistake instead because that was worth less points and And then I explained to him, like, no, like, don't you see you had 0.75? And I was only evaluating one word. Like, you had to just think about one word to put there, and you Uh. put the wrong word. And so it really does matter. And then for the rest of the semester, he would remind me, like, I remember that word now. I'm never writing it again. Uh. And so (laughs) I feel like that shows me that it was important. It's because it hurt, because you lost points, that now you know never to do that again. Uh. And so that structure that rigidness to a certain degree is important because otherwise it's it's sad to say but it's just gonna slip through the cracks sometimes
0: yeah Yeah. well i'm sure now he's kind of got a funny story about he'll always remember that word now right Yeah, exactly Exactly. so i mean he'll learn not to use it when he's not supposed (laughs) to so Mm -hmm. good teaching method (laughs) absolutely yeah so i guess have you learned anything From your students, would you say? Do they... they, Other than like rappers born in the year 2000, you know, like Lil Pump.
2: Yeah. yeah. Um, Lil Pump is popular. Um,
1: I mean, one thing I've learned is definitely... And I think you'll probably agree is you know the students are a big part of teaching and so you have to adapt like we've talked a lot about it but how you can have the perfect lesson plan the perfect activity but if it doesn't work it doesn't work and so you have to just adapt go with it uh you know think on the fly and just kind of think of new things that will work or decide all of a sudden to change up the activity and to just kind of know that even if you have what you think is the perfect, perfect lesson plan, it might not work and that it really depends on that back and forth and that dynamic. Mm -hmm. I think that's one big thing I've learned from being in front of a class.
2: Mm -hmm. I think just having such a variety of students too, like in general, they've taught me that, uh, people come from very, very different backgrounds and have very different preferences and styles and so for some kids it doesn't matter how much enthusiasm or swagger or whatever I bring to a lesson some kids are not going to be into it and that's per- like completely okay. I think the I think I probably knew most of that but the fact that it's absolutely okay that like I am not going to click with every single person. Yeah. It's um like, it probably sounds extremely obvious, but it seems a bit humbling just to know that um, you do your best and you try to make connections where you can, um, and you do your best to support everybody that you can, um, and as we've talked about, differentiate and be there for all the students, but at the end of the day, um, they're going to connect with either a different subject matter or different teaching styles or even just different personalities other than my own. Um, and that's completely okay. I yeah. think that's a it's a good thing. Yeah, yeah, I agree for with sure. That.
0: Yeah, and that is something that's like kind of obvious, but you don't really know until you're in that situation teaching yeah. like 125 yeah. students a day, right? Yeah, you can't be liked by everybody, and you can't take it personally at the end Not of the day. At all. all you can do really is like just be the best teacher you can be to all the students. Yeah, and exactly.
2: Yeah. And you just have to it, let it go. I think.
0: Yeah, hundred yeah, yeah. percent. You have to let it go too.
2: I also think back to teachers I considered to be bad teachers. When I was like at this age, maybe grade seven, eight or nine or something like that. And it it just makes me rethink what the teachers were going through. Like I think back and I'm thinking like they were probably great teachers and there were probably other students who loved them and loved that even that exact class that I was in. But um, where I was at as a kid and just what I was hoping for in a class and what I you know my own probably self involvement and stuff like that like just didn't click with that teacher and so like i think back and it's like did i ever really have a bad teacher i'm i'm not too sure about that and i don't doubt that many 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 people have had bad teachers they they exist for sure but um yeah it's just made me think back you know there's two sides or more to every story so yeah, yeah.
0: and that's an extremely important lesson to learn in any facet of life, like mm. whatever your profession is, it's so easy to make a snap judgment on someone mm. and just maybe if they're not liking what you're selling, yeah, like oh, what's this person's problem? But they might be going through a whole other thing, a situation that exactly. we don't know about, right? So yeah. it just it's important sometimes to take a step back instead of because we're so likely, I feel like, to judge people before yeah. knowing getting even half the facts, mm. right? And uh, actually, I kind of want to ask your opinion on this, to having taught kids at a young age like you can have a strong effect on someone at a young age and shape who they can become to a certain degree like i don't know if you've seen the protests that or not the protests, but the oh my god the native american oh, situation yeah. that happened over the weekend the, so that's yeah. that's been a very um controversial to say no the kidding. least Absolutely. situation so now there's two different sides of the story coming up and yeah. it's like the one kid. I don't know if you read his statement. It, I read it today. Actually. I haven't. I'd
2: love to hear about it because I, I was following that pretty closely, and just I have to admit, just that smirk on his face was oh just rubbing me the wrong I wanted to smack yeah, him across the face. I'm just saying.
0: Yeah. But, but then he's coming out and saying that they were harassed earlier, and that he he wasn't actually being confrontational. The elder walked up to him, and he just was. He was up in his personal space, but yeah. I, I don't buy it personally. But no, I don't know. That's uh it just goes to show the effect that it's easy to want to, like I said, hit that kid, which isn't right. <laughs> but he comes from a background where he was raised that this is okay, yeah. So, and kids aren't fully formed at that age, they're probably like 16, 17 they don't really know any better. So they're just a product of their environment and the teachers who formed them. Yeah. So is that not, does that not give you a different perspective now when you're seeing kids behave a certain way, you're thinking about the, um, people around them who have formed those kids.
2: Absolutely. Like I listen, um, to another podcast. I don't know if you know, Sam Harris, he's like a scientist philosopher kind of thing, but he just talks about the role luck has in life in general. And, I'm not going to talk or I won't uh, apply this to the kid in the make America great again hat. Cause yeah, that's, that's something else I think. <laughs> but like when I look at a grade seven student who resists doing math work, like a much simpler example, there's so many variables playing into that immediate behavior, right? It's like, what did he have for breakfast this morning? What is his home life? Like um, how have the last like, you know, But how has math gone for his whole life leading up to now? What good and bad experiences has he had? Like, he's bringing all of this in with him. Um, You know, I really congratulate the kids who are really high achievers in my class and they are, most of them are really hard workers, but they also come from very supportive households in large part and, um, uh, you know, have been have their whole lives been taught the importance of the hard work that goes into getting the grades and have felt the gratification of getting the good grades and want to keep chasing that. So there's just, there's so many variables I could never, you can't, especially at these younger ages, like hold it against a kid for coming into your class with, um, whatever behavioral problems or hates math or hates French or whatever else. Like, um. Yeah, luck plays a big role in it. I think for everybody. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, at my level, they've kind of already gone through a whole system, and so it it, it depends on that system. To be quite honest, what did they see in high school? Because we're starting at a certain level, and yes, we'll review certain things, but there's always. Some students that haven't seen what other students have seen in high school, so they're kind of starting off as a at a disadvantage. Or also, like if they're from an immersion program or the French is not their first language, that can also be something that's completely different. So their background, as you say, uh, all those influences definitely play a part in um, their success in in the classroom. Um, and then also, there's there's all sorts of students like you said the ones that are chasing those A's and that high and sometimes that's not always a good thing i find if people are coming up to you like oh why did i not get perfect on this when yeah. they already got an excellent grade and it's it's not mm-hmm. enough because they just yeah. want perfection or that's it, goes too far. it yeah. can yeah, it can also be kind of it can get go sour on the other end as well and so it's there's there's the amount of caring, um, like not caring enough or caring too much, maybe. But then there's also students that are trying extremely hard and are not getting the same grades as other people, and that doesn't mean that it's not there. They're not focused. They're not present. So I, there's so many factors. Yeah. Um, and you try to do the best you can in the, you know, 75 minutes or whatever time you have, um, but sometimes it's, it's not enough. Mm-hmm. And that's
0: the thing. You only have up to a year at most with, for some of these students, right? I'm trying to fully understand one student's cultural, sociological, what have you background would take you a full year. Then you got a whole other bunch of students yeah. that you're supposed to be focusing on as well. Absolutely. So that's why it's so hard to draw that line into how much devotion am I going to have for this one student understanding his or her background. And yeah, no, it's definitely, a, that's why you earn that off season. I'm telling you. It's <laughs> yeah.
2: a, I mean, damn, it's so true. Because we have a university professor here, do you think, um, when you were in high school, were you, um, kind of on a track leading towards university and like, was university considered the right choice or the, uh, the best choice, for example? Um, and do you think that influenced what you ended up doing and and all, all of that. What do you think?
0: Okay. Well, that's actually perfect. That's the kind of question you asked me because that's what the next question I had lined nice, up along nice, those lines. Nice. So, yes, I agree 100%. My whole um 9 through 12, I was told that, first of all, grade 10 was the most important year of my life for some reason. Huh. Then 11 because I had to choose the prerequisites for grade 12 uh, which then yeah, became yeah. the next most important year of my life please mark don't tell your kids <laughs> this okay you're just gonna stress them out i was stressed way more than especially after being done high school i'm i can't believe how stressed i was over yeah. these years it's ridiculous the kind of pressure they put on you in high school it's that's so a whole other thing
2: Absolutely.
0: Yeah. so yeah i definitely was kind of pressured to a certain degree to keep keep i did get great grades in high school i Nice. Because I was all in pre university courses. Yeah. Now, kind of going back, I might have been better served to maybe even go with a college route, but that the college courses get such a bad rep for yeah, some reason. They, yeah. There's that stigma that if you're taking pre collegial, which is like pre college courses in French, is that you're not as smart as the people taking pre universitaire. So yeah, all my friends took pre-university courses. And of course I'm with that group. That's not why I chose those classes, but it's because that was the logical, that was the thing to do that. If you're in, I was in them like advanced, I guess, courses in grade seven and eight. And yeah, that was just the logical thing to do is to take university courses and take all three sciences. Then in grade 12, I didn't, I just took, no, I didn't even take Science in grade twelve, but yeah, I took I dropped science in grade I, twelve. Yeah, I knew it wasn't for me. Yeah, after anyways, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I took two in grade eleven just to keep that those doors yeah. open. Yeah, me too. I knew it wasn't for me. English was the way to go, and only realized that once I got to university. But yeah, no, definitely. I was actually it's funny. I was talking about that today with mm. one of my friends at work who is in a a collegial program, and now his last two semesters are in university. Oh, nice. And he's talking about how there's a stigma of that people judge him that he's in college. Absolutely. Which I feel like is completely unwarranted. It
1: it really is. And I remember that for for myself, too. Like, even just the presentations from the universities, they were mandatory for everyone, but the college ones, it's only if you're interested. So Mm. already, like, you're closing those doors. And, I mean... People that go to college are so successful. So many jobs are there. And so it shouldn't... Well, I mean, I, we've talked... Mark and I talk about this a lot. There seems to be a bit of a shift nowadays. They're pushing university less, a bit more with college, because they're realizing that it's not because you're going to university that you're getting more jobs, especially nowadays. No. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's no I longer think, the case.
2: I think it really is changing. Like, I think you'd like to see... Like, in grade 7, 8, we even kind of get them thinking about career paths and things like that not in terms of picking their own in a definitive way but just thinking about what subjects could lead to what career paths and even just identifying in themselves what interests they have but we have presentations come in that talk about I think it talks about university the least actually and it talks a lot about college the skilled trades and apprenticeships so all and even also just the world of work all as possible pathways after high school. Um, and they're not talked about in like a hierarchy Mm. as one being the best. And then you go down the list kind of thing, but rather like, Oh, you want to maybe pursue this. This is the route you would take. Oh, you want to maybe pursue this. This is what you could do. And just also acknowledging the that sometimes it can be transferable like your friend like Mm. doing some college courses doing some university courses um yeah these options are there so i think not to mention like high school co-op programs are getting better um and uh just lots of different types of learning and lots of different types of directions which i think is really good just because i know for me um University was like the only choice, basically. It was that was it, like that was the Mm -hmm. choice that you had to make. Not that you had to make, but it was like if you weren't making that choice, why not? Kind of thing, yeah. So, and even for,
1: for co op, like in high school, it didn't even seem like an option, or it seemed like an option if if you had, I don't know, wound up talking to a teacher about it and they had told you about it, but it was like a secret thing. Oh, 100%. Like, I feel like I didn't even yeah. know what
0: co-op was. At yeah. exactly. I was almost done university. <laughs> like you
1: And like, heck, when my brother, like when Max, who's two years older than me, he did co-op in high school and like the program was starting, like they mm. were just setting it up and it was tough to get jobs because they didn't have those contacts yeah. and those connections set up yet. So it's much better a much bigger thing now. Now
2: you can get jobs like with teachers or in veterinarian offices or different things like that. Like prob and there's still also, you know, grocery stores or bakeries or different types of things, but it's just it's getting bigger and bigger and a lot more recognized. And I think it's really good. Experience is great. I'm even though I didn't go into any of the fields that I did co-op for, I'm really glad I got those experiences. Like, I got good money in university for that. Um, And it, like, it gave me some really good perspective to bring to the classroom instead of just going. Because that's something my parents were really concerned about was that school was the only thing I ever really knew. So it would be like finishing high school to do more school in university to then go just right back to school to teach. Which is basically what I did. But co-op was at least nice to... uh, like interject in there, Get some different new experiences. experiences and yeah. stuff like that. Exactly, for sure. Yeah, and
0: like no experiences are lost either. Like me myself, I've done four years of construction work. Nice, which I was just top shape back then i mean going back in the gym now trying to get back to those days (laughs) my french and my strength i mean it's what happened right
2: um listen to french podcasts while doing bicep yeah there you go that's that's my goal for 2019 (laughs) but yeah
0: and definitely learn from those situations just how to deal with a different group of people like people who now obviously didn't like didn't really go to university the guys i worked with but it's just knowing how to hang with other people and not slandering those people either I know. I know they're not listening to this but <laughs> just saying it's good to learn how to oh, interact yeah. with other people do different kind of work and appreciation also Absolutely. for another kind of work a hard labor right yeah very
2: oh, yeah. hard work and a, like a good solid days work and exactly oh, be able yeah. to appreciate that and know some of the people who are doing that work like it opens your eyes just to new experiences oh, yeah very valuable
1: i agree with that for all like not physical but like all (laughs) office jobs that i've done i i feel like it's it's another kind of experience that's still useful today
2: yeah Mm -hmm. yeah um yeah like i told you i have do a robotics club we also do a construction club um and we have this green energy club as well so for the past few years we've been taking these groups to the skills ontario competition so it's this massive competition in toronto um that goes like it's as low as elementary school but up to the college and trades levels so you walk around this huge pavilion and there are booths set up from different colleges and trade organizations um showing like they have activities for the kids to try and showing you about their programs and stuff and then you can just watch the competitions going on like There's full on construction. Like they're just adults, like building houses in this huge warehouse. There's culinary arts, there's hairdressing and makeup and, um, robotics and like everything. And it's so cool and very inspiring to walk around and see all these people who are super skilled in all these interesting areas. Like it's, Pretty cool. For sure. That's yeah. awesome
0: that that's being promoted more now. Yes. High school level because you know, that's what a lot of people need, right? Like who can really say you're in the minority of people if you know exactly know. what you want to do in high school. And that, I know. I feel like, well, in my time anyways, I didn't think that that's something they shone enough light on. Yeah, that, absolutely. And that, I don't mean to just lighten up on the kids a little bit. Don't put too much pressure exactly. on them. Grade
2: 10 isn't the most important year of your life. I, th- no. but, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. I think... Um yeah, like showing that there are lots of options and then just reinforcing that it's okay not to know for sure. I think if you can do those two things, like you're right, just take a little bit of pressure off and um, there's lots of amazing things to experience and um, yeah, you'll find something.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot out there for sure. So those like, Showcases, I guess, is showing what uh, what's really out there for everyone. Yeah. That's awesome.
2: Yeah, yeah,
1: and yeah. even like cool. I would say like you'll find something but you'll probably find some things like plural because nowadays Mm. people have more than one career they you know they jump from one thing to another a lot more than our parents did it's no longer like apart from maybe you in the teaching profession which lots of people will go into and then will stay the course but for lots of jobs people kind of jump around a lot more and so even one degree is not definitive it can be a master's it can be other stuff afterwards so it's it's a lot more nowadays.
0: Even a college degree after you are done university? Who knows yeah, exactly. Because a lot of people, I like, feel like in my experience, and people I know too, a university degree, like you said, doesn't guarantee you a job in mm. anything, even if it's in a specific field like engineering or something. There are a lot of people who graduate in engineering as well, right? And it's yeah. a very competitive field. It's tough to find something exactly in the niche maybe that you studied. Or, Absolutely. Yeah, it, it is tough. But it's good to know that there are some great teachers at the helm of the next waves of students. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We're trying.
2: Yeah.
1: yeah. I don't know I don't if
2: know. great's the right
0: word. <laughs> oh, no, 100%. I mean, I feel like time's already flown by for you guys. I mean, six years. I didn't know it's been that long that you've been teaching. Yeah. And, yeah.
2: It's crazy when I think about it. Like, I started at Peak Academy. Um, so I got that year in at the private school. And that's cool. Like, I'm seeing all these students in the OHL now who I taught oh, yeah? back then. Yeah. Any talk... names
0: you want to drop here?
2: Or... Uh people might know like Graham Clark on the Ottawa okay, yeah, 67. He's yeah. a big uh Wendell Clark's son? No, this is the other. There's two Clarks on the okay, team. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um yeah, Greg Morales, he's on the Kitchener Rangers. Yeah, I know the um, name. Um oh nice. Yeah. yeah. The one of the goalies too on the 67s, Cedric Andre. Um and Merrick Rippin. These are the names that I've recognized, but yeah, it feels like forever ago that I was there. I was teaching music, teaching harmonica to the kids. So some of them might know Heart of Gold by Neil Young (laughs) while they're like playing hockey kind of thing. Um, But I know time does fly for sure. From
0: harmonica to the yearbook, <laughs> yeah, you've just yeah. done it all, eh? <laughs> done it all, run the gamut,
2: exactly. Yeah, but that's yeah.
0: cool, though. It's kind of opening your eyes to other things that you didn't even know you might like, and like clubs and joining stuff like that. Exactly. Is, uh, important, I feel like. Yeah. Not just to stick to the academic side, but also to get involved. Exactly. And uh, be a mentor, like I yeah. keep saying, in other ways for kids, different kids. Yeah.
2: Too. I don't know if I could call robotics a passion of mine, but I'd... Love seeing the passion of the kids who are joining this club. Like right. this club is for them and they love it. So totally worthwhile. And yeah, I've gotten to do a lot of cool stuff like that. So it's fun. Yeah. Well, yeah. it kind of
0: goes in line that it's like teaching in general. It's not for you. It's for them, you know. Exactly. We all came yeah. back full circle. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I uh, think we can leave it at that. Awesome. And- Thanks a lot for joining me. and. Thanks for having us.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah of absolutely. course. Great conversation. Man. Very thanks enlightening,
0: easy conversation <laughs> as per usual. Thanks to everybody for listening. I just want to say thanks to everyone who purchased their Easy Conversation t-shirt. I got many more in store. If you guys want to buy one, let yeah. me know. No, no pressure. That's, uh, 20 bucks. Um, uh, yeah, so uh, thanks a lot for joining me, guys. Definitely going to catch up soon at probably Easter or something. And yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we can talk about hopefully Run the Jewels 4 by then. Yes. No, actually, do you have any parting music recommendations, something? Any shows you guys are watching? Or? Ooh,
2: we haven't been watching too no, much lately, eh? Kind of on the desk, um, so. Let me see. Like, we're behind. We feel like we need to catch up. On stuff. up. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. So, it's so
0: hard to keep up with everything nowadays.
2: Music-wise, have I listened to anything really good new? Not really. And certainly not hip. I've been listening to this old old school, The Miseducation of Lauryn Hill. Oh, Do you know hey, that one? I've never heard that album, Ooh. but I know of I, it. I. It was the same for me. It was always kind of in, uh, like, on the list, like something that oh yeah, I should give that a try. Right. Anyway, I finally have. It's fantastic. Okay. Yeah. Check it. So out. So it lives up to the hype. Yeah. I think you would love it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, very cool. How about you? Nice. Uh, well,
0: I've been listening to a lot of, I don't know if you know this guy, Denzel Curry. No. Taboo. It's actually, it actually came up on one of my podcasts I did with my homie, Cameron. Nice. He had a, a number four on his top ten albums of 2018. Oh, nice. So that's kind of a spoiler if you haven't heard the episode yet. Yeah. Um, it's a great album. I hadn't heard it at the time, but now I've been listening to it for the last like three weeks. It's solid. It's really different. It's like experimental rap. Cool. he goes hard though it's it's
2: a great record have you heard um earl sweatshirt not his new album no it's weird but there is yeah. some cool stuff on it but that's one that i i just skimmed through it i i have it like on my list i want to kind of dive into it a little bit more but yeah different stuff for sure
0: yeah i know he's pretty highly rated like he always gets mm. re- his albums are well rated i guess mm. i don't know i just i, I tried listening to it i didn't really get into it, but yeah. I could give it a shot. Yeah, yeah. Miseducation, though,
2: for sure. Definitely check yeah. that out. Yeah.
0: yeah shows, yeah. Into anything, movies, hmm. a parting gift movies, for the audience.
2: We've seen some good movies lately. We saw If Beale Street Could Talk. Have you heard of that movie? No. It's from... Um,
1: the director of Moonlight.
2: Yeah, Barry Jenkins, who made Moonlight. Right, okay. It's very good. Moonlight. Yeah. It's about um, like two young black people in the 1970s in new york um and it's about kind of their love story but through the lens of that time and place kind of thing and it's a really good movie mm-hmm. um we saw
1: spider-man into the spider-verse yes yeah. did you see that
2: i haven't seen it yet no it i gotta get on it yeah. it is as good as everyone yeah, says it really, is. really? Okay. so good into the spider-verse yeah, yeah right on yeah a couple of good movie recommendations mm-hmm. okay nice yeah. some parting gems for the listeners
0: so yeah thanks again for joining me it was a great time catching yeah, up thanks with for you having us and yeah. yeah we'll talk soon so stay tuned for episode 16 dropping in two weeks thanks a lot for listening if you want a shirt hit me up and uh, yeah till next time peace